When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Texans set a Panther trap and then got caught in it themselves this week as they fall to the winless and now one-win Panthers. We're going to discuss that game today on The Bullpen. y'all james roy here here with tom chavaria this is the bullpen where we talk texans and maybe a couple of other things but really just texans and um it, it's a sad monday it's not a victory monday it is a wow it really should have been a victory monday but it is not a victory monday tom let me get your initial thoughts on what transpired in carolina i'm still trying to figure it out uh it didn't feel good. It, this is not the team that we've seen the first six weeks of the season. I'd argue that this loss looked worse than any of the other losses. And it was a field goal game. Like you felt the offense was really inept. We'll get into it. It just, it was bad. This, I'll just get at it right off the bat. This, this feels, this feels like the Atlanta game. And I don't like saying, I told you so I'm trying to, um, so throughout this NFC South gauntlet, I called it a gauntlet. People called me um, insane for saying that because it did seem like a very easy stretch of the schedule. The NFC South, much like the AFC South at points in its existence, just kind of feels like a joke. Um, although maybe it's not. I don't know. Or maybe the Texans are just not good enough. Or maybe it's inexperienced. I don't know. But when you look through each of those games, we go back to the Falcons game where the Falcons get the, you know, we drive down and we finally take the lead just to give the Falcons the ball. And then the defense gives up. The a long sustained drive to Desmond Ritter for a touchdown ends the game on a loss, barely, and then you you go into the Saints game and and if there's not two missed field goals, we you know and I, we already talked about this it's ifs ands and buts there's no guarantee but assuming that those field goals are made and we're put in the same situation the Saints drive down they were very much in field goal range and would have put the game away, likely on a field goal and now we're coming out of Carolina a game where I feel like the officiating was worse. It was probably the worst it's been all season. There was a point on the last drive and leading you know, through that delay of game towards the end of the game in that I, that I kind of said the, the refs were deciding this game for us. They weren't letting the teams play, and it was frustrating to watch. Um, but this is the same situation where the offense kind of stalled out. The defense did what it could, but when you score so few points and you get to the end of a game and it's a field goal difference, the other team, you know, Murphy's Law would state, you know, anything that can go wrong will. And defense plays really great. And then all of a sudden at the end of the game, it's like Bryce Young's cutting through butter with a hot knife, just cutting it up. It doesn't hurt that he's getting pass interference calls that are not pass interference and um, other other calls. But this has been kind of the same old story for the past three, three or four weeks now, depending if you include the bye week in that count, where the Texans have been in games where – 
the offense now uh, granted the previous two games the offense looked a lot better for a lot longer but the it stands to reason and i saw this on twitter i'm not going to say this was my own thought but i agree with it um I think that Bobby Slowick has not called a complete game offensively since the Steelers game. The Steelers game was the last time that I felt like throughout the game, the offense was in control and was functioning properly. Every game since then, it's felt like there's been flashes less in this game than any of the other two. Um, but the offense, I feel like, is the problem. I Am I wrong in saying that the, that it's offensively that's the problem? I mean, when you only score 13 points, it's pretty easy to point the finger at the offense. It 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 needed to do more. It needed to have more sustained drives. I think that they they just needed to put points on the board. We talked about it on the PSF app. We had the call of the game, and it just felt like they played down. It felt like they came out flat. I feel like, and I still feel like this, you know, further on after after the game, that they played this game because if you go back and look at some of the numbers, they ran the ball 40 times. They threw the ball 24 times. They played this game to play to the weaknesses of the Carolina Panthers, 31st run defense. Okay. We need to establish the run, even though the run was a work in progress in itself. I I, I think they did fine with it. However, I think that was a, at a cost to a rhythm, to a groove that CJ Stroud was trying to keep going, you know, coming off the bye. And they, they lacked the third down efficiency that they've had. They lacked uh, the, the plays of 20 yards or more that they've had. I think, you know, some of the gadget plays while they looked good, I think it was too much of that, you know, there were there were times where I felt like we're throwing the ball to Andrew Beck through up the middle of the football field when it should be Dalton Schultz. And while I think Beck is a great player, I love what he does for the team. I felt like his name was called too many times. And these are things where you want your stars to be like stars, so you should feed them to a fault, right? I mean, if you told me that Nico got 10 targets, then I'm probably going to say, well, Nico should have got 10 targets and we didn't win because we weren't able to make that happen. Or Tank Dell get 10 targets. Dalton Schultz, who's had a touchdown in three straight games up into this game, gets seven, eight targets. Then I'm probably going to go, all right, a better team beat us. This feels like the Texans kind of beat themselves a little bit. I, I feel you on that, and I don't like discrediting. So I will say, you know, kudos to the Panthers' defense. They played a really good game. There was a lot of swatted balls at the line, and they made C.J. Stroud look human. Um, he did not have a bad game by any stretch statistically, but, I mean, if you, wa- if you watch through, Stroud was having a rough day against this Carolina defense, and I will give them credit to that. And I agree with you. I don't think the run game is at fault, but I think that the commitment to the run game got in the way of establishing a functioning pass game that has that momentum. Now, another thing that I think was missing for the Texans this week and will be missing for the next couple weeks, so brace yourselves, is the fact that Robert Woods, who has been kind of acting as C.J. Stroud's safety blanket, was not in this week. And there's a lot of times where C.J. Stroud, he'll make a throw that maybe, you know, 
isn't quite the best throw, but Woods will bail him out. And and we he got that early on from Collins, and he got that early on from a couple of receivers like Noah Brown. Really, just made some amazing catches. And and Stroud was threading the needle, but he only looked good in samples. And and I and I want to tread lightly here. Stroud himself took a lot of the blame for this. The way his comments came out post game kind of sounded like he was targeting the game plan, and that he didn't he didn't like how slow it called the game either. Depending on how you read it, um, that that's a whole nother topic to broach. But but in the end, to say that C.J. Stroud had a good game would be a lie. C.J. Stroud um, had his first sample of regression on a on a whole game basis that we've seen all season. And so I'm not going to panic about it. I'm not going to you know shout it from the mountaintops that C.J. Stroud's no longer good. There's there's a lot of people throwing out the stat line comparison in this game between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and saying that Bryce Young's the better quarterback. And I'll tell you, just comparing stats on the season, I know that's not the case. And, you know, we talked about this in the preview. The situation is really what's making the difference. But I feel like C.J. Stroud in that same situation as Bryce Young still makes that team perform slightly better and performs better for the Texans than Bryce Young would have performed for the Texans. But, uh, like I said, I think that Robert Woods missing is a big piece that, that kind of hurt this Texans offense. Um, but I do agree with you that, that the, the prioritization of the run is, is perplexing. I like the mix. I like putting Mike Boone in there more. Really makes a lot of sense to me. Made a lot of good plays. As much as I don't like running Tank Dell, Tank Dell was a good change of pace. He, he did not have any bad plays running it. Um, but at the end of the day, that I think Slowick, Slowick got a little bit of a big head this week. They kind of praised him a bit in the national media. He got given his flowers during the week and, um, Maybe he let it get to his head when he was game planning against this team. Um, another thing to consider is that while we, we poked fun at the Panthers for Frank Reich handing over play calling duties to the offensive coordinator, um, that offense did not look the same as it has in the past. It wasn't great. I, I mean, to, that's the thing that's frustrating to me about this loss is that the Panthers offense did not look significantly better than the Texans offense. Sure, Bryce Young threw for about 60 more passing yards and had a touchdown. But I mean, C.J. Stroud rushed for a touchdown, and the Texas, the both offenses looked pretty inept until, like I said, at the end of the game, the the Panthers' offense just found it with a little help from the black and white stripes uh, on the field, their twelfth man. Uh, so, like I said, I don't like discrediting it, but this feels more like the Texans beat themselves. Now, to speak to the officiating, there's been a lot of rumbling around the league lately that officiating is kind of taking fans out of the game. And that a lot of fans are frustrated with the way that games have been officiated and are starting to be like, well, maybe I don't care because like I'm going to watch this game for several hours and all of a sudden right at the end, the refs are just going to make the worst call. And it just it really is hard to follow. And and I've I've not been one to really harp on it. I do get frustrated. with officiating. I, I, I'll call it both ways, too. If this had been a game where the Texans were put in the same position as the Panthers and the refs helped them win. I would have made sure to make a comment about it. You know I'm not one to shy away from being negative if the Texans didn't deserve to win or you know had had things go a, a different way, right? So I've, I've been that way. I did that for the Saints game. And so do you think that the officiating, personally from your perspective, was bad enough that it was it was the reason the Texans lost or that it, it's worth talking about? Or do you think that like I'm going out on a limb having this discussion? I think you have to be able to score more than 13 points. Uh, you're not going to beat teams not scoring more than 13 points. You brought up the Atlanta Falcons game. I feel like even though the offense did not make 
the scores that they needed to win that game, they scored five times. When you have the offense that the Texans have shown to only come up with 13 points, it feels like it, no matter what the, the, the officiating looked like, they weren't going to win with scoring 13 points. They have to do better moving the football if for nothing else to get field goals, if for nothing else to make that last drive have to be a touchdown. The last time the Texans had the ball, they were, I think they were on the 45 yard line or something like that. They, they were, got, they were on the, the, to say that they were on the 40, it was a yeah. 57 yard field goal and they punted the ball. We can talk about that in a minute, but that was an interesting decision with Kaimi Fairbairn being the kicker. But yeah, so they were on the 40. But there was, there, I mean, there was a penalty there. And and people want to you know play tic tacky with the with the delay a game thing, and if you get if you get in and out of the huddle and you don't get down to one you don't have that problem. So well, here's I, my problem I, with it, right? Is that and they said it on the broadcast, C.J. Stroud. That was the first time he was ever called for a delay of game the entire season. And additionally, earlier in the game, Bryce Young had two separate plays where the clock reached zero. In the same fashion, he snapped the ball and the refs didn't call it delay of game. And I watched it happen with CJ and I said, oh, that's close. But because they've called it this way throughout the entire game, that, that I would expect the same levity from my quarterback in a, in a situation that means a far more to the game than anything that Bryce was on third downs where they, they didn't convert or like they didn't quite get it done or maybe they did. But like the, I was just expecting a more consistent call. Per, per the rule book, CJ Stroud delayed the game. The clock reached zero, and the Texans deserved that penalty. But per the standard of officiating that I had come to expect, I was I was left feeling like the refs took the game from me because you watch they, that that play happened. He completed the pass to Noah Brown for what was very clearly a first down with more yards to come, and they blew the play dead to call that penalty. So if they don't blow that play dead, they don't call that penalty. I can guarantee you, based off of what I saw, that the Texans get a first down, move into field goal range. And then the, the Panthers have to approach that drive differently. So I can tell you that for certain, which is why I agree with you. The Texans probably didn't deserve this win this game. I'm a firm believer in the 20-point rule. You should reasonably have a team that, that can allow less than 20 points and score more. That's how you win games. Um, if you're scoring less than 20 points and you're allowing more, right? So neither team really deserved to win this game based off of my rule, right? Which is another reason that I'm frustrated. Um, but at the end of the day, so they, the Texans definitely shot themselves in the foot. They were their own worst enemy. We've established, I believe that they lost this game. I believe the Panthers' defense played really well, locked down C.J. Stroud. The, both sides did their part to make sure that this result happened the way it was. I, it's just frustrating to me knowing that there was a moment in the game where the officiating was was not up to what I would have expected, and it and it, it gives me that that thought in the back of my mind, like, oh, what if? What if no, they, they finish that play, Noah Brown catches it, Momentum starts to establish. Slowick calls another passing play like he doesn't usually do. And all of a sudden, we're rolling, we're rolling, and then we touchdown. And then now, now what's the game? We're up eight points, and the Panthers have to drive down. Not only do they have to score, they have to score two-point conversion afterwards. So that's where I'm coming from on that. That's, that's why I feel the way I do about it. But, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's definitely – this offense could have been better, 100%. I mean, the simple the simple – response to that is snap the ball one second left on the clock you just you just, you know what i mean the texans have been so good all season long a taking care of the football and b being 
on schedule, actually getting to getting in and out of the huddle, being at the line, being able to diagnose the 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 secondary or the or the defense or the blitz or whatever the coverage, and for whatever reason, they were a step slow all the way around in my opinion, and on that play, you just can't leave it up to chance. If you're on the road, the home team is probably going to get a little bit of a home whistle. You feel like you're going to get that in your building too. So that's a that that that's their control. They they all they have to do is snap the ball, a heartbeat sec uh, sooner, and we're not talking about it because, like you said, they probably complete the pass to Noah Brown. They probably move the ball down the field. Probably score points that makes this game totally different, changes the trajectory. But again, regardless of what the stripes did, the the ball was in in CJ's hands, and I think he would tell you too. I've got to be better. Yeah, I agree. He didn't put it on the rep. There's also the, so there's a couple other situational things like Tank Dell on the motion slipped and fell, which affected CJ. I think CJ was going to snap the ball a beat sooner and then saw Tank slip and was like, I'll wait a second. Realized he didn't have the time. It was too late. Um, additionally, I think that the defensive look on that fourth and one where we gave up the first down, that was really what did the game in. Um, and as much as I, I'm a firm believer, the defense did what they could. And with the lack of offensive production, they were worn out. They had spent all day on the field. You know, what can you expect from a defense that's fatigued like that? But still, that was a moment that I felt like we could have stepped up and stopped it. I don't know what we could have done better, but I, I think that giving up all those yards to Thielen on the, the previous third down play was detrimental to that going well. Um, but all that being said, we we do have a, a bright spot to take from this, which is the run game. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on Damian Pierce's performance. Do you think that that what he's done has given you reason to believe? I I, I you already know. I already know what you think. You think he's he's RB one. Um, do you think that this game has has broken ground on on this run game? Do you think that it's more indicative of the Panthers' run defense, or do you think that we're we're finding something here? I believe, and this is probably a vanilla answer, I guess. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I believe that as the offensive line got healthy and as they started to gel and play together, you were going to see this this run game improve simply for the fact that now he's finally got the offensive line that he thought he was going to get to run behind to start the season. Uh, I don't think enough people... That, that, that felt the way they did about Damien really p- took that into account. I think when you look at what you were asking him to do between the tackles, because that's where Bobby Sloak chooses to live him. It was going to be, it was going to be tough sledding. It's still going to be tough sledded. I, I would, I would say that, you know, the two tackles that we have uh, are, are elite. And then, then what? Then you've got serviceable guys. So, when you go to the edges where the tackles are, are, are doing their job, you're probably going to win there more. And we, we talked about it on the PSF app. I feel like all, all that Damian Pierce did today was validate what I was saying and that if he got the, the, the blocks that he needed, it wasn't a, a vision thing. It's not a he seeks contact. It's not that he won't run to daylight. It's that he doesn't have it between the tackles and until he gets it, we're going to see subpar performance. Today, I think you saw a little glimpse of what we saw last year, that he can absolutely be the guy. He's going to rip off, you know, five, six, seven, eight-yard runs and go, wow. You're going to go, wow. 
you know, this Damian Pierce guy is pretty good. So I think we're going to get that going forward. And only time will tell. Okay, yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I I don't want to say I never gave up on Damian Pierce because some people might twist my words to make them believe that I said. I, I've always liked Damian Pierce. I definitely said he was RB2 alongside Devin Singletary. I'll own that. Um, but I'm I'm glad to see that he did well. That one particular play where he spun out of the backfield and, and ran, uh, just uncorked a, a 10, 15-yard run was beautiful. And I, th- I think he had a great game. So I appreciate him for that. Um, speaking of the interior offensive line, Jarrett Patterson was carted off the field towards the end of the game. Dieter Sir stepped in and did pretty all right. Um, I think that the, te- the fan base is going to be clamoring for whether or not Juice Scruggs will be back this week. And him being designated for return would probably help us out a lot. Um, how do you feel about that? And additionally, um, Titus Howard at left guard, it's not working. Do you think there's a way the Texans realize that and move him back to right tackle? Or are we in for that until they get an, an option that's significantly better inside? I guess that's that. you probably answered your own question. I really think like it's so bad in between the tackles that him being at left guard is better than any option they have. Because I agree. I, I don't think Titus Howard is, is ever going to be a left guard. I think the numbers speak to him being a uh, right tackle and leave him there. And he's so much better there. You talked about balls getting batted down. There was a couple plays where guys got off of, off of his block and were able to extend their arms and get up. And I think that's just being out of position, being uncomfortable. Like, okay, normally you've got an edge rusher on the outside. I just got to steer him, and I've done my job. Very rarely is he going to be back into a throwing lane where he's going to be knocking the ball down the way some of the guys that he had to face while he was at left tackle did. And I just think that that's a nuance that comes with playing the position that he's not familiar with because he's been at right tackle. And before that, he was a left tackle. Can he do it? Sure. He's a big guy, good quick feet, all the all the measurables, that kind of thing. Sure. Is that his best position? Probably not. It's just that the options behind him are so bad, which speaks to the running game. So it's like it, it, it's, it answers itself. Juice Scruggs, I, I hope, I pray that that is the answer because we drafted him to be. Him being injured, that severely messes with the timetable. I'm sure there's going to be a, a learning process, and you hope that CJ doesn't pay for it. I mean, I I feel like that the the benefit, so I think the argument for Titus Howard at left guard is that he is somehow that much better than Josh Jones, or maybe Josh Jones just isn't fully healthy. Who knows? If he's active, I don't know why he's not playing at left guard. Um Maybe because he he's mostly a tackle in his time, but whoever they have behind Titus Howard is probably as good, if not maybe slightly worse than him. And so the question is: is do they do they just not believe that Titus Howard is a significant improvement over George Fant at right tackle? Because that's that's really the big question. And personally, um, as much as I love what George Fant has done for this organization, I have trouble believing that what is gained at, and and like right. right Left guard relative to right tackle is a, just a less important position in the grander scheme if you're looking at which one you'd rather have a better player at. The tackles are vital to pass blocking and are, are 
cornerstones to run the run game. Really, they're just the anchors of the offensive line on both sides. So to, to say this is what the Texans are saying to me by continuing to play Titus Howard at left guard. They're telling me that whoever we could play at left guard instead of Titus Howard is that much worse than Titus Howard at left guard, or they're telling me that George Fant is just that close to Titus Howard at right tackle that this move makes sense. And I just personally have trouble believing that. I think that the move is, and and statistically, right, over several years, there's there's been a lot of data compiled that shows that Titus Howard is just not very good at left guard. He's versatile enough to play it, and I was on board with it for the week or two that I thought they were going to be doing it. But to see that he's going to continue to be there likely throughout the rest of the season does not give me a lot of hope for this offensive line interior-wise. And so if the interior is going to suck anyways, put Titus Howard at right tackle and let the offensive line at least be good on the outside. Like, that's my thought. If if we get Juice Scruggs back or if Jarrett Patterson's just not that injured, if you look at it, the center and right guard are, are good. And then your right, right and left tackle would be stellar if Titus Howard moves back to right tackle. And then you're just left with left guard being the weak point. You can make up for one bad offensive lineman. What you can't make up for is two mediocre offensive linemen. It's just really hard to hide your flaws on multiple fronts. So personally, I think expedite Titus Howard back to right tackle, whatever it takes. I Put Dieter at left guard, or if Dieter's playing center, or Juice Scruggs comes back, however you have to shuffle it. Just, just give me Titus Howard at right tackle. We're paying him too much money to continue playing him at left guard and not get the returns of a player. He's being paid too much to play as bad as he has at left guard. And that's to say relative to like his pay. His left guard play has not been good enough to warrant the salary he's making. So put him back at right tackle. That's just that's plain and simple my my opinion on the matter. But I I guess one thing that I wanted to touch on, you touched on it earlier, is you, you talked about Slowick calling the offense to the level of the team that we're playing. And to some extent, I agree that that's the right thing to do, right? You look at the team you're playing and you go, oh, they're weak here. We'll hit them here, right? But you also have to assess your strengths. And so what I'll say to this is, is that it felt like by running the ball so much against a team that's not good at defending the run to try and take advantage of that when you have not proven good at using your run game properly. Um, it feels like playing down to the competition. And it's probably one of the reasons that we lost is that we're just sinking ourselves down to the level. We're, we're molding our game plan too much based off of who we're playing instead of who we are. Right. And so, I, I mean, I, I like that quote from CJ Stroud where it's like, well, they got to play us. It's like, yeah, they got to play us, but they're not going to play us if we adjust our game plan to become a different team in order to play to their weaknesses. And then if we're, if they're weak at it, but we're not good at it, what, what benefit is that to us? So I don't know. That's just my thoughts on that. But I guess what I want to end on is I want your, your biggest improvement that's needed and a bright spot from this game. We just take a shot at that. I want you to go first. I think definitely the biggest improvement that is needed is got to be a, I guess a better realization of, of what your strengths and weaknesses are because as much as I love the idea of Damian Pierce getting the ball 20 times and, and the Texans running the football, if, 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 if it's going to cost you possessions, if it's going to cost you drives because you're going to end up, you know, 
third and five a lot. And CJ doesn't have the rhythm that he needs. Not that I think that this is solely on that. I just feel like when the Texans are balanced or more balanced or a slightly leaning to CJ, you're, you're putting the ball in the hands of, of, of the guy of the better guy. As much as I want to sit here and pine for Damian Pierce between Damian Pierce and CJ Stroud, the, 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 the bigger ceiling, the higher talent is CJ Stroud. No question. 100%. So, so while I love the idea of Damian Pierce being RB one, I need CJ Stroud to be QB one to win football games. So if I need to sacrifice Damian's run game a little bit, if he's got to die a little bit so CJ can fly, I need him to fly because that drive at the end, I need points. There's there, there's too many there's too many missed opportunities in the in in the third quarter in the fourth quarter where I need I need points on the board and if if I got to put the ball in the hands of somebody to get that done, it's got to be CJ Stroud. I think as much as as much as I want to protect him, as much as I love the idea of the balance and all the things that the Texans have done so far, a game like this gets won using your best player to make plays or your best players to make plays. And I don't think they did that. So for me, the Texans have to sit, sit back and go, okay, where, where, where are we going and how are we going to get there? And who's, who's driving the bus? Everybody's on the bus, but who's driving it? Is it Damian Pierce? Is it CJ Stroud? They can't both have the wheel. So somebody's got to, you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. The 100%. best teams, the best teams identify that. I think, you know, the, 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 the struggle is, is that the Niners came from a team where Christian McCaffrey kind of drove the bus and he is a special elite talent that can do it all. And I, I, like I said, I love David Pierce. I don't think he's that guy. So Bobby's got to recognize that and Bobby's got to go, okay. Maybe my quarterback might be the guy that I need to curtail my offense to and maybe get away from some of the, the, the things that made that Niners seem great, even though taking bits and pieces is, is important. I feel like he needs to go, look, I need to, I need to build with my strengths and lean on them versus trying to attack another team's weakness to a fault which is, I feel like, how that game went. Yeah, I agree with you. What's your what's your big takeaway that's positive? The positive for me is that I feel like this defense is starting to really, really find its groove. You see the secondary. You see some of the, some of the Jalen Petrie at the line. I think that's so awesome. He can be such a game changer. Love what Blake Cashman's doing. Love what Toa Toa is doing. You're starting to see this thing get healthy. You're starting to see Denzel Perryman make plays, who's been in and out. I can only imagine how much more this this team will be in year two under under D'Amico because he's such a defensive mastermind. I think he does a great job. And then this is all without their stud shutdown corner. I can't even imagine when you add that to it. It's going to be amazing. I'm. I'm excited to see Derek Stingley come back. I think it's in the next two or three weeks. He's He's got a pretty long road to recovery, but I'm excited for him and Juice Scruggs. Those are two big names I'm looking for to come back. For me personally, the, the biggest you know negative, the biggest downside, uh, per, like just like I said, I don't want to harp on him because I, I don't 
feel like it was all his fault and he'll tell you that 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 he he is to blame because he's that kind of guy but my biggest takeaway is cj stroud regression game was a big knock on our ability to come back um i mean him scoring that late touchdown against the falcons was a big step forward his performance against the saints was was you know a progress performance and it did the job it got it done um so to see him take a step back was not unexpected it was bound to happen at some point this season it's just unfortunate that it happened now i'm just you know i think i told you during our psf cast that ideally it was this game because this is a game we could certainly win if cj stroud regressed um but it just never panned out that way um but i i so i'm happy to see that he didn't turn the ball over um unfortunately andrew beck turned it over on a, on a call where that definitely should have been dalton schultz getting that ball across the middle but either way it was nice to see that he didn't turn the ball over, but I think C.J. Stroud's step back in this game is a big negative to me. I'd like to see him fix that and moving forward, and I know he will. He's got the, that dog mentality. So I'm not, like I said, I'm not super worried about it, but it's my biggest negative in this game. My biggest positive is the pass rush. If you know me, you know I've been talking about how bad the pass rush is, um, and I've been talking about how you know I, I get these advanced stat metrics where you know, Will Anderson is on average two yards away from the ball when it's thrown, and that's really cool, but I really wish that the ball was just never thrown because that would show that he's getting there. Um, and so I respect those metrics. It's great to know that we're pressuring the quarterback, but it's nice also to see Jonathan Grenard and Malik Collins put Bryce Young on his back several times in this game. It's nice to see the results of that. I, I personally love John, Jonathan Grenard. We had a discussion about that on the PSF app, um, and I think that he stepped up today. In, in the and I don't want to say in the absence of Will Anderson Jr. Will Anderson Jr. per those advanced metrics did his part in this pass rush in applying pressure um, and and making sure the Texans had ample opportunities to get to Bryce Young. But at the end of the day, the only time he finished was on a play that was called back on a, a holding call on the defense. Unfortunate, but the pass rush huge plus. Carry that forward with me into next game um i agree with you on all defensive fronts it was great but pass rush in particular stuck out to me um yeah i mean this is unfortunate i i don't like talking about a texans loss it's not my favorite thing as you may or may not have guessed on the bright side the dynamo came out uh and and gave us a solid 2-1 win tom you were at the game I, i'd love to hear a little bit about it right now before we close out the podcast Ladies and gentlemen, the bullpen is a huge fan of all things football, and that is with F-O-O-T, F-U-T, does not matter. Does not matter. The Dynamo, they they are they are they're a four seed in the West. They were they were not in the top 12 seeds last season. They've made great strides. They're, they're an awesome team. Uh, it's a great story. And uh if you're not watching them, you should be. The they're in the playoffs. This was game one of the playoffs. They have home field advantage, and all they did was show out and shine. Hector Herrera, the captain, the leader of the squad, opened the scoring. It, it was it was a great goal, and uh, I mean Bossy, a, a dude that's absolutely perfect from the spot. He scores, and uh, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I think this Dynamo team is something that. The 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 Houston Houston's got a lot going on right now, right? Obviously, the Astros just broke our hearts, but they were they were they were the forefront, even though the Dynamo were playing. I I get it. And then you've got the Texans, 
all the energy in the world. You know, this this team is young, hungry, coming up. They're ahead of schedule. We love that. They're 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 out in front. Then you've got a young Rockets team. They're a little they're, bit behind schedule. They're behind <laughs> schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they got thumped. Uh, well, they didn't get thumped, but they 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 lost tonight. Uh, but they're they're very exciting. They've got tons of young talent. And then there's this little dynamo team. And I know soccer is like not on the major scene yet. It's coming though. I promise you it's coming. The World Cup in 2026 is going to set the United States on fire, I think, for the sport. So uh, when you see the greatest people do it, it's it's just going to change your life, I think, or some people's lives. Um, obviously not ours because we're fans. But the Dynamo, I think, are a team that that are not off by much. And I mean, have all the, the, the tools. And they're playing fun soccer right now. No, yeah, and and so I do have a fun stat for you. One, one, I saw the video of Jordan Alvarez getting a jersey from Hector Herrera after the game. Incredible. One, that he was there, and two, that they interacted like that. I think it's great for Houston sports to see that happen. Um, and then two, uh, I I saw, um, or I, I became a fan of the Dynamo at the beginning of the season and started following. Um, and then recently I started following the Ducks because there's not a Houston hockey team, so I'm trying to get into it's hockey. Coming in preparation for the Houston hockey team. And what I'll tell you is, is that the Dynamo are the four seed in the West. They, they went from worst to first um, since I've become a fan of the team. And I like to think that I had a part in that. <laughs> the Ducks are on a three-game winning streak. They just went from one and four to four and four, and their young talent is taking off. And I like to think that you, know, you should stay tuned because maybe the Ducks will be number four in the West and will make a run in the NHL playoffs. Not Houston related, but just know that if I've become a fan of your team in the past year or so, they'll probably be really good. So I, I'm selling my fandom off to anyone who would like to purchase it. Um, really good fan. I follow teams pretty closely, know a lot of things, you know. <laughs> uh, the University of Houston play. has a soccer or has a hockey team. I think it's only a matter of time before the city of Houston has a major hockey team dude i don't i don't like to talk down on it right i i love that the university of houston has a hockey team but i'll tell you every time i've seen a tweet from them and they're playing a program the score is not incredibly close but i'm hoping that they pick it up and that they they bring it a little closer um here in the near future i'm excited to see that program progress and develop into a powerhouse in the texas Hockey Alliance. I don't know how you what the conference name is for intramural hockey in colleges around there, but it's exciting times that they have a team. I'm excited to see them get better, and and I'll actually know about hockey because I'm watching it now. So look out, adding another sport to my repertoire. <laughs> this has been the bullpen, and while we did talk about other things at the end, we do talk about the Texans. We're we're on the PSF app too as a seven one three. We do a show there previewing games each week and we also do live streams for the games we're actually on for this week um for the buccaneers game so i uh, i hope you'll download that app and if you want to find us tom tell them where to find you at on twitter or x if you're one of those people that use x i don't i don't believe it's ever going to be anything other than twitter for me <laughs> at third coast tom all wrote out all one all one word third t-h-i-r-d coast tom and uh yeah uh the the psf app absolutely come there it is an awesome time like-minded fans getting together rooting for your team 
it's it's the sports bar mentality without being in the sports bar from the comfort of your home or wherever else you want to be. You know, if you don't want to drink, you know, beers at the bar and have to worry about an Uber, you can be in your garage with a cold one or on your back porch, wherever, and have the PSF ad loaded up. You'll see James, you'll see me, a bunch of other media casters there. Any sports you want, you you got it. It's it's an absolutely phenomenal idea. It's going to be huge. Uh, we have power fans. We recognize the, the people that are there all the time. We'd love to have you in there. It's going to be a big deal. I promise you, get in on the ground floor so you're not wondering, how did I miss this PSF app thing eventually? Yes, and also, um, yeah, power fans, you covered that. That's that's a big deal. Actually, this week we had Jeff come on the show. Is he a power fan in the group? I'm pretty sure he is. If We're going to have to fix designate. it if he's not. <laughs> we need to make him a power fan. But Jeff came up and talked with us. It was a really good time. I'd, we'd love to hang out and talk with you guys. So if you're in the chat room when we're, when we're live, just ask to come up and we'll, we'll chat. Um, if you want to find me, I'm at M1 Texans fan. I have it right here on the video if you're watching. Um, the, that's also where you can find the podcast on YouTube. And um, if you search up the bullpen on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can find it there as well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for supporting. And until next time, uh, H-Town forever. Go Dynamo. Vamos Houston. Vamos Texans. Vamos Dynamo. Vamos all the teams in Houston. See you next time.